Today, I have with me Mary Nelson. She's the Medication Diversion Safety Specialist at Honor Health. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, Terry. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. Let's start off by telling us how you got started as the Medication Diversion Safety Specialist. All right. Well, um, a little bit about my background. Um, I am a nurse. Uh, I was a bedside ICU nurse for 16 years in the same ICU from the time I graduated till the time I left bedside. Um, when I did decide to retire from the bedside, I went into quality and patient safety. Um, worked in patient safety for a couple of years. Um, and at the towards the end of that, uh, my my uh, organization hired a consultant to come in um, to look at our drug diversion processes. So it was the uh, facility patient safety consultant who escorted the diversion consultant around um, for a two day. We hit every department, uh, perioperative areas through the pharmacy, all of the nursing departments, anywhere that there were controlled substances. Um, and I was so impressed that someone really focused on drug diversion. Um, you know, I guess 16 years in an ICU, especially in the same ICU, you get to know people so well. Um, obviously, diversion was occurring. Um, and sometimes as a nurse, when you find out diversion has happened, you start to think about what did I miss um, as a colleague or a peer, um, maybe a little bit angry, like, hey, did I sign off a bunch of waste that that person didn't waste? Um, by not following, you know, the proper procedure. So a lot of internal questions, um, even as a bedside nurse. So when I saw this person who also was a nurse, um, really focus on drug diversion as a patient safety issue um, and a big concern, it really sparked an interest um, and I think a passion in me for drug diversion. So um, a few months later, when we got the report, uh, we had about 150 recommendations. Um, but the top two highest priorities were um, to start an official drug diversion program and to hire that person to manage the program. So um, I applied and went through um, some grueling interviews, um, but I was awarded the job and um, I've been in this position now for four years. So it was actually May in 2017 um, that we officially kicked off our drug diversion program at Honor Health. Very cool. Very cool. You know, it's interesting you touched on a topic that I think a lot of people don't really think about. And that is, if there's somebody in your unit that is diverting, they put their colleagues in a really awkward spot because they cause their colleagues to then be a part of that unknowingly, right? And it also reminds us how we need to be paying attention to what is mm -hmm. happening to those around us. So mm -hmm. it's it's something that we kind of forget about is the impact on the colleagues, even if they don't even realize what's going on. Right. Um, I think yep. it's important to remember that. Um, and I, when I do education about drug diversion, I always include things like, you know, um, the impression that it makes on peers, the impression that it makes on that person's leader, um, you know, but also in the peer to peer aspect of that, that, you know, ignoring that those concerns is not the compassionate approach. It's not the ethical approach. You know, what are you waiting for? you know, for that person to be found overdosed in the bathroom, for instance, is that enough? Or, you know, so 
rather catch it sooner rather than later. So that is really something that I try to impress upon um, clinical staff when I do education. Absolutely. Being a nurse or being someone that's seen it or, or had some, um, some experience with it, it gives you a different perspective, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So when your hospital called in the consultant, was it because there had been an event that triggered it or just a general realization that something needed to be done? So, you know, if you think about the time frame, um, again, we started our program in 2017, the consultant came in 2016. So that time frame, there was a lot of things that were coming up in, in the media um, in general across the United States, DEA fines and all of these kind of things. Um, so a lot of things were getting the attention, I think, in the media towards drug diversion prevention. But, you know, when it came down to it, I think um, the executive sponsor and the the vice president of our department just really felt like it was the right thing to do for patient safety. Um, You know, let's see where we are. Let's bring a consultant in to help us, you know, kind of really do a thorough gap analysis, basically. Well, good for them. Number one, that they recognize that there may be a need. Number two, that they took steps to find out if you did have a need. And number three, when you were given the results and it showed that, yes, there was a lot more you could be doing, that they responded to that and then developed the position. So that that's really cool. So having been involved in the position from the very beginning, are there any lessons learned that you would like to share with everybody? Mistakes maybe that you made along the way or key areas that you feel were really important and looking back, maybe you wish you had started there or spent more time? Yeah, there's so many. You know, I think going back to learning what your gaps are. So we had this consultant that came in and gave us our uh, some gaps. Like she told us what we needed to do to get up to, you know, get up to standard best practices. So, um, you know, certainly that is a, a very great way to understand where your gaps are. But there's also so many resources. So um, I had this book of recommendations. But then, you know, I really needed to understand on my own. So just working through a gap analysis, whether it's through, you know, Minnesota Hospital Association, um, ASHP guidelines, and, and really reading, educating yourself, understanding where your, your, where your organization is. Um, you know, this takes a lot of time to start meeting people, you know, getting in front of the directors of pharmacy. For me, I guess backtracking a little bit, my organization is now six hospitals. It was five hospitals at the time I started. So I had a lot of people to meet and a lot of information to gather just from, you know, asking questions and getting to know what is the process at this facility versus maybe one of the other facilities across town. You know, what is the history of drug diversion at your facility? What are your perspectives, you know, because everyone kind of thinks about it in a different manner um, and has different different levels of knowledge of, of drug diversion and, and how, you know, widespread it is or is not. You know, there's not historically a lot of transparency, not only nationally, um, but even internally, you know, between hospitals, within the hospital. So I think, you know, understanding who your stakeholders are, your champions in each facility, um, you know, and the readiness for that for the each facility to kind of start making changes towards improving their processes is super important. But just that education and the knowledge, there's a lot of knowledge that's being shared out there. Um, 
So just reading um, and that self-education, just understanding the processes and then comparing what is best, best practice to what is really happening in the organization. You have to understand that before you can make any changes. Yes, very true. And you're right. There are a lot of gap analysis type things out there. And if you, it's, it's kind of goes with along with like regulations and policies. If you take the time to actually sit down and read them, you can learn a lot, Mm -hmm. right? You've got to get out and implement. But then the other key piece, as you mentioned, was getting to know the stakeholders and very important. I think what you mentioned is what is their perception of drug diversion? Would you say that you found a lot of people in those positions that didn't have much or any knowledge or didn't think there was a problem and kind of wondered why, you know, you were even talking to them about it? Sure, sure. I think so. And I think that especially goes back to that education and transparency. So, you know, if, they, if something's happening even within the walls of a hospital, um, but it's never talked about among leaders, then then how, how do you really understand the risks and what's really occurring? You know, so I think that transparency is important in the education piece. Um, But then just the communication. So, for instance, um, you know, a pharmacy director would say, well, sometimes a nurse manager will ask for PIXIS reports, but then I don't hear anything after that. So there was never that two way communication of, you know, this is what I'm concerned about and partnering between departments to look at drug diversion where it's not just a nursing issue, it's not just a pharmacy issue, but they have to partner, you know, but there has to be partnership and working on the same concerns um, as a team, you know, you think HR, so this is what your diversion response team would be, executive level, nursing, um, pharmacy, HR, security, you know, everyone kind of has to work together because we all bring super different perspectives Mm -hmm. to the table. Um, so we bring our piece of the puzzle and, and our talents and our, the things that we do well and understand um, as, as an expert, um, but we don't under, always understand each other's roles. So I think that that was a big uh, missing piece um, in understanding drug diversion at a facility level. Absolutely. That partnership is is very important, too, because even no matter what department you're in, if you're looking at the data, that's all you see. You know, you mm-hmm. don't there's a whole nother piece of it, too. So the whole partnership is is extremely important. Now, we've talked before and you have mentioned that you've been involved in interviewing those mm-hmm. suspected of diversion since the beginning of the of the program. Right. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about that a little bit. I know in in separate conversations that we've had, we've talked about how interviewing is a skill set that uh, both of us, both of us, I think, are working on developing for ourselves. And we also talked about how we we wondered if a facility was open to the idea that if there was somebody in their facility who was addicted and diverting if the facility was very supportive and you and I as interviewers could come right out and say hey come on let's get you help we will help you through this that's what we're here for and if we could be more open with them maybe they would be more open and be willing to admit so we've kind of talked about that Mm -hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And um, is there anything that you 
it's, it was a while ago that we talked about it. Has there been any progress at your institution with maybe bringing that up with leadership? Anything that you can share with us on that? So I think that the, this is um, a great conversation and, and I, I believe a slow change that we will hopefully start seeing in the diversion community at large um, within our healthcare setting. Um, certainly it's an ongoing conversation um, at a very high level at this point within my organization. Um, but I do see the positive notes of that. So it's so hard to separate diversion as a crime but then the person um, who has, you know, potentially not only substance use disorder, but other mental illnesses and the stigma that goes on along with that. So how do we respond in the right way where we're taking this seriously as, as, a, as a crime because that's what it is, um, but we also really care about this person. Um, so I think we have to find somewhere in the middle um, uh, to really holistically respond to aver to diversion and not just to say, okay, um, we're going to terminate you and um, we're going to report you to the licensing board. We're going to file a DEA report. We're going to do the appropriate external reporting, um, but then you're just going to go off on your own. Um, and, you know, the likelihood of um, finding another job, um, you know, and all of these things, just moving the problem along to another, uh, another facility, you know, a, another area is probably frequently what happens. So I think that, um, you know, for the community, uh, as well as obviously for the diverter, we could respond in a better way. Um, and I, I think that we will start hearing this more frequently in, in our in our community and within our networking circles. Yeah, it's cer certainly something to keep in mind. I was talking to somebody just recently and they're not in healthcare, and their response was, well, I hope that they're, you know, it's a crime. And it's like, yes, it doesn't mean that there wouldn't be consequences, right? There's consequences mm -hmm. to every action, but can we do a better job of making sure that they get help? And if we make them see, can help them see and understand that the facility will stand by them if they choose to admit and to get help and that potentially there's a better outcome after they go through that recovery phase, if it's successful, then perhaps they'd be more inclined. And then also when, as you were talking, it made me think, you know, right now, a lot of them do just jump to another facility, right? Mm -hmm. Even before the board of nursing is completely aware and has conducted their investigation. So maybe another positive side of working with them and being a little bit more hand in hand is that they wouldn't tend to jump they would not only be more inclined to get help, but it would save the next facility and whatever patients then are in their care from that too. So that's just another piece of it. And then I think we also touched upon retraining. You know, what do you, what does the organization, um, what's their financial investment in every new employee? So for everyone that leaves and we have to bring another one in, there's that financial implication. So there's actually a lot of things to kind of take into consideration, but it doesn't mean, as you said, that it wasn't a criminal act and there aren't any consequences. Right. It's just a team, you know, approach to maybe helping somebody heal, have a higher mm -hmm. 
probability of success mm -hmm. on that. Correct. And I think, you know, I'll tell you one thing that really shifted my perspective on this. And when I started um, in this role, obviously being in my, um, at this point, 18 years in my organization, I kind of at one point knew that there would be some cross crossing of paths and that indeed happen. Um, you know, and so just to put even more so of a, um, a person along with what is going on and an understanding of, you know, potentially understanding of the history of what is going on here and, you know, really humanizing. And I, I know that we try to do that and recognize that, but um, that really sealed it for me was understanding the, the person behind the diverter in a more um, personal way, mm -hmm. um, really kind of changed my mind on a lot of those things, honestly. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't think about that. You're right. Mm -hmm. If, if mm -hmm. some of the staff was still there that you had thought were maybe diverting or something wasn't quite right, then yeah, your position mm -hmm. then became one of, um, I know where to start. But then you also knew them as a human, which mm -hmm. I, and I think that's maybe one of the differences is in, in healthcare we do know them as humans, right? I mean, they they are dependent on drugs or alcohol, but we know them as humans. And so that that does kind of change the the dynamic. And, you know, there are those that are addicted that are outside of healthcare, but we have to remember they're humans as well, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's, they're all struggling with the same type of problem. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's a, it's a lot of things to think about. And those that aren't involved in this arena at all do have a completely different view of, of those that are addicted or dependent on substances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, is there anything else that you want to share or add, or did you have a question for me or well, it's great I what you're doing? Thank you. No, and I appreciate this. I just, I don't have any specific questions, but, you know, just to say that I think it's super important for us that work in um, a hospital drug diversion to network and to learn from each other and to share with each other. Um, I, I think that we have some really great opportunities and we can just pick up little tidbits from what we're doing and this and that from each other because we kind of end up siloing ourselves naturally, um, being usually, you know, very few, if not one, sometimes less than one FTE um, at, a, at an organization to work on drug diversion. So I think this is fantastic what you're doing um, to help us to share and, and network with each other. That's great. Yeah. And I completely agree with you. And each time I talk to somebody or I go to a conference or listen to a webinar, somebody mentions something that either I didn't know or I had thought about, but it's been quite some time. And then you want to take it back to the organization and make sure that you're still on target with whatever that particular, you know, thing was that you haven't drifted away from what is best practice mm -hmm. and it reminds you of something else that you got to check in on that you haven't maybe checked in on for a while but yes i think this community truly does want to see things improve and to help people and the networking is crucial because everybody that i've come in contact with is willing to share 
they don't hold mm -hmm. it to themselves. They mm -hmm. want you to learn so that you can share and then we could make it, you know, more transparent and, and even safer for all of our patients and all of our colleagues and coworkers. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mary, for spending this time with me. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. Okay.